I'll have to check the equipment and make sure the process is painless. Do me a favor. Don't check too close. If there's a little pain, I won't mind. If you're going to join in the fun, you might as well go all the way, right? Touch. Touch this. And not without dinner and flowers. I'm going to take a vow of silence concerning this entire conversation. Hello and welcome to Who Are You? A Babylon 5 Watchcast hosted by two strangers getting to know each other as they relive and rewatch one of the favorite shows of their childhood, Babylon 5. I'm Jafar. And I'm Laura. And today, Laura, I get to ask you, who are you? Who are you? Who are you? Do you know who I am? Well, I thought today that I could tell you a little bit about me indirectly. All right. By telling you about someone who shaped my life and was a very important person for me and is a part of me and who I am today. Donald Bradfield was born on November 4th, 1928, the oldest of three siblings, including a sister, Verley, and a brother, Wayne. He was born in Oklahoma in a time that was not easy to be an Oklahoman, growing up during our Dust Bowl and the country's Great Depression. But he went on to graduate from Sand Springs Public Schools in 1946, and in 1950 graduated from Oklahoma A&M, which later became Oklahoma State University. His generation is generally called the silent generation, and while I can't speak for the whole generation, to me, he was indeed a soft-spoken and gentle man. He was an educator for all his career and really all his life. When he was drafted into the United States Army during the Korean War, he served as a coordinator of correspondence courses, teaching soldiers to read and helping young soldiers finish high school. He returned to Oklahoma after his service and taught in the Tulsa public school system for most of his career. After his return home, he also married Marilyn, with whom he had three children, one of whom is my father. I remember him as a man who always had candy and ice cream and a place for my cousins and I to stay at night and play together for countless hours at his house on a high hill where you could see the whole Tulsa skyline. For all of my life, he had soft white hair and a serene smile. He was also a man who volunteered to teach at the first racially integrated school in Tulsa. And in a story my dad once told me, he was a man who got run out of a small town in Alabama for paying the same wage to the black handyman as he did to the white handyman. He believed strongly in the power of education to lift people up and that a good education was a basic human right for all. He was a thoughtfully progressive man and maybe a little bit of a contradiction as he was also a lifelong devoted Southern Baptist. And delightfully, he was also the sort of man who would put cookies in his morning milk and cereal. In 1971, he married my nana, Virginia, whom he was loyally devoted to for 43 years until her death in 2015. Virginia had two daughters, and across their five children, they had 13 grandchildren and 18 great-grandchildren. He retained an amiable relationship with Marilyn's family even after divorce, and I will confess that our family bonds were so strong that I didn't realize until I was an embarrassingly older age 
that my Nana was not my biological grandmother. They both worked so hard at the labor of loving their blended family that I'd ever noticed there were different bloodlines between us. There was always an abundance of presents at every Bradfield family Christmas, with each cousin receiving the same amount and sometimes matching presents. He was retired and devoted to his family for my entire life. He had retired at the age of 57 after serving finally as the coordinator of special education at Tulsa Public Schools. As a grandfather, he was kind, consistent, generous, and his house was always open to his grandchildren. My family lived about an hour away when I was a child, and I didn't see him as often as his other grandkids. So he was always happy to have us stay and would always make sure there were other cousins there to play with us. I don't think I ever heard him raise his voice to any one of us, even when we were stomping up and down the stairs or skinning our knees and tearing our clothes falling down the hill. He was a shining beacon of how good a patriarch should be. Patient, considerate, caring, loving, and wise. I honestly don't know how he did it, apart from his powerful faith in God that carried him through his life until his death on January 28th of 2022. I feel a bit awash in a river of grief now, and I don't know how to be in the world now that he's not in it. I can only hope to try and find more ways to be like he was, to love my family and my fellow humans like he did, and I hope that I will see him again in a little while in the place where no shadows fall. I think this is the first time I've really truly regretted not being in the same room as you as we record. Because <laughs> I'd really like to give you a big hug right now. Oh, um, that, was, that was beautiful, Laura. Oh, thank you. It's a fraction of all that he was but it's the best i can do <laughs> yeah so it's also an educator i yeah. didn't know that that's that's interesting given your dad uh -huh. and then also you yes i um, think it runs in the family too yeah. i have a, a few cousins who if they aren't currently educators they have been so we we have a bit of a gene inside <laughs> of us but it's a, it's a noble calling to try and improve the lives and enrich those around you. Yeah. You know, so. And I got to say, it was really nice to get to tell you about my papa today, because in this episode that we've got, we actually have a good ethical question to consider. And yeah. uh, it's not an episode that's a total turkey. It's not. So we've, we've got an episode with some nuance around that's a sci-fi version of some modern ethical questions and today we're going to talk about season one episode 15 the quality of mercy we open on lando talking to a centauri senator and this guy looks familiar he should be familiar he doesn't get a name for yeah. a while but he's another like we had a uh, lieutenant corwin a couple episodes yeah, ago yeah. make his first appearance this is senator milo verini Okay. And is very commonplace in later seasons when Londo spends some time on the homeworld, which I won't get into spoiling any further than that, except for that Londo goes to Centauri Prime for 
a story arc later in the show. And this is one of the main people that he interacts with during that story arc. Yeah. So it's nice to see the consistency between the actor. Yeah. And I had completely forgotten that he shows up this early because I don't think we see him again until oh, yeah. like mid season three. Like he's gone for a while. He gets us like maybe 30 seconds at the beginning of this episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He gets very little time for a character that becomes kind of important later. Yeah. And for the gap to be so long too, I was completely like, is that, I, I thought it was a thing like with the opening episode and Mr. Morton, like, is this the same character? Is this an actor they just brought back as someone else later? And it is the same character. Yeah. Um, which was cool. Yeah. And I think it's great that in this episode, he's just here to kick off the B plot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's, uh, Londo needs to stop being on Babylon 5 solely to fuck with Jakar. That's what I wrote down too. It's like, he needs to stop plotting revenge and do some shit. Yeah. Maybe start, you know, conducting diplomacy with the other races at the mm -hmm. diplomatic station, Ambassador. What, what would you say you do here? I have people skills. I am good at dealing with people. Can't you understand it? What the hell is wrong with you people? Do you think they heard about last episode and they're annoyed? They must have. There must have been like a formal complaint or something about Jakar and the ceremony and the flower because he's just like, it's immediate. It's just like the first time we get this episode. It's like, go make friends, dumbass. Yeah, he gets a little slap on the wrist and he immediately runs into Lanier out in the hallway. Yeah. And it's just like, hey, Lanier, I know that Delenn has been conveniently off station since Sinclair found out she was at the Grey Council meeting <laughs> right when they were about to destroy Earth. So we can't interact with that plot point at all. So you're here. So let me interact with you. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, he asks Lanier about himself. And it's Lanier, his life story. <laughs> he, but he gives him the saddest wiki at first. He says, mm -hmm. I was raised in the religious cast and now i'm here basically yeah <laughs> so sad yeah like i was an orphan they the religious cast took me in the has is their way i learned the ways of the religious cast has is their way and now i'm on here here on assignment i've been here for five months <laughs> and alando's just like i'm gonna help you learn about the other races through firsthand experience because reading in books just isn't enough you should get out and live your life right mm -hmm. this is totally an inconvenience to me and oh, this is totally for you <laughs> yep so he's going to take him out for the day londo and lanier's day out mm -hmm. and lanier's big adventure <laughs> and we and then we cut to a murder trial because it wouldn't be a babylon 5 cold open without murder or space tsa we need one of those two <laughs> we've hit our quotient we're good yep and we get the guilty sentencing tomorrow right mm -hmm. and then it's to theme i was very curious about this judge because i think you know it's cool that we're getting legal stuff mm -hmm. in babylon 5 and we get some of that but i think we get him for two episodes and then he's gone and we never hear of the legal system on babylon 5 ever again or at least this part of it we haven't had the other episode with him yet, right? Right. He has a split second scene at some point. Nope, Spoilers. it hasn't happened yet. Okay, <laughs> whoops. It's a great scene. It also is completely inconsequential, except for the fact that it's hilarious. It's coming very soon. 
Is it? Is it next episode? <laughs> Damn it! This is what happens when you're one ahead of me. <laughs> we come back from theme to Ivanova and down below, where she finds Franklin hosting a free clinic for those who can't afford to go to med lab, because mm-hmm. once again we've learned socialized medicine does not survive into the future. Yeah, we find out this ain't Star Trek, and in 220 something years, we haven't figured out a better way to do healthcare. Ivanov is upset that he didn't tell her that he was doing this and requests that station resources not be misallocated to the point of impacting operations, takes off her uniform jacket, and then begins helping out in the clinic. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, we go to sentencing deliberation, and Garibaldi suggests the airlock. Oh my gosh. (laughs) It's just, oh man, he's just like right wing talking points personified, right? Yeah. Yeah. How appropriate. Yeah. We find out though that the airlock is reserved for mutiny or treason. So we're still throwing people overboard. Yeah. Yeah. It's got a fancy name as a method of execution and everything. They only have three options and it's back to earth to go to prison in the brig for life or option three and then the camera and everyone just turns to tolly at a stair as soon as they Uh, say option three (laughs) it's like i was wondering why she was here and we know that option three is some form of psychic remediation something that will require her they call this the brain wipe and maybe not in this scene but it's it's certainly later Let's talk about the brain wipe for a second. Yeah. The death of personality. Yeah. And they explained that this is, we completely wiped the person's memories and who they are, and then plant some false memories, send them back out into the world to work and, you know, make up for their crimes. And I'm there, there's just so many questions I have. I feel the same way. I was immediately very upset because it's like, this is worse than dying, right? Like, it's at the very least not better than execution. And it feels like it's one of those, like, morality play things where it's all like, well, we Mm -hmm. didn't kill them, so it's okay. And I'm just like, no, you you pretty effectively killed them and left them a husk of a person. Like, I'm not okay with this. And I was on this high horse for a minute. And then I was doing my research and digging through old posts on the Usenet, as I do, from JMS back when this was originally airing, and someone brought up the same point. It's like, this is worse than death. How could you possibly justify this? And JMS had an excellent counter that made me change my mind on it immediately. Oh, no. What's that? He notes that it is possible for them to reconstruct the personality if the person is later found innocent, and that this is seen as a viable alternative so that they don't accidentally execute someone who's innocent. Okay. Yeah. And I, I'm like, okay, so they're not, not, it, it's not a thing where they're using it as a guise to be like, well, we didn't kill them, so we're okay still. No, they still call it death. It is still a corp capital punishment. It's mm-hmm. just a conveniently reversible capital punishment should the person be later found innocent through new evidence. Yeah, so like we're just going to wipe this whole person in order to be able to rehabilitate them. We're not going to yeah. try to rehabilitate them 
as they are. We're just going to wipe. I don't know. I'm not, I'm still not with it. I'm not totally with it. Oh, I think it's complete bullshit to be absolutely clear. Has, <laughs> has I also feel about capital punishment. Mm-hmm. I feel like it is directly in conflict with the spirit of our justice system, which is to rehabilitate at least here in the United States where we are both recording from the mm-hmm. justice system is framed differently in other places. And that is a cultural difference. And if you have capital punishment and your justice system is designed around fear to as a means of prevention of crime, it makes sense there. I'm not saying I agree with it, but I'm saying it makes sense within the confines of the system that you as a society is defined that I cannot comment on because I'm not a member of that society. But as a member of this society, (laughs) let me tell you, capital punishment is antithetical to our justice system. It's stupid, it's pointless, it's dumb, and I hate it. I think the problem that we encounter in the United States is that there's so much of us geographically and, you know, in number as well. But It definitely feels like it's easier to just kill somebody. Yeah, I, I think that you, you say that our, our justice system, referring to the United States, yeah. is built around the idea of rehabilitation. Yes. I don't know that every state feels that way, though. That's fair. <laughs> so, that's 100% fair. Yeah. I yeah. mean, that's where I the am, conflict arises. I'm in Michigan. We were the first state to abolish the death penalty. Ah. Um, and so I don't know if this is a thing that I got in my public education because it's like one of those, hey, look at us. We're an advanced society kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But I definitely remember a lot of my schooling being more geared towards that. That's interesting because here in Oklahoma, we were trying to kill people with bad chemicals like last year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you guys still have the firing squad? I think that's still Not in the books in a couple of states. I think someone requested it recently. And yeah, that's I think I remember a, something from the news. Yeah. A news thing. Yeah. Um, I don't, it's not something that, you know, I feel the same way that you do, that I just don't believe that capital punishment can exist in our society. And especially with the the faith beliefs that I have and the, the church that mm-hmm. I attend, like I, you you can't have those two things together. Like you can't be okay with it. Yeah. And then to me, even this sort of capital punishment, it, it raises so many questions, like even just logistical questions. So where do these people go? What are you having them do afterwards? Uh, well, know, we know that there are bathrooms in the future from yeah. last episode, so... Well, and he mentions cleaning toilets and stuff. Yeah. And it's like, well, what false memories do you plant for them that they're here cleaning toilets and this is what they're cleaning toilets for the rest of their life? Like, what are you giving them Yeah, that makes that okay? Are you, are you essentially shackling this person from within their own mind saying? I think we get an episode later. Oh, yes. I actually remember the thing now. So I'll say very little. But this idea of someone who does something and then has a new personality implanted in them to go and Mm. be a member of society does come back okay from a different perspective but the idea of this comes back specifically the idea of the implanted personality Mm -hmm. um well then okay if we can if we can implant personalities on people this easy like isn't that kind of existentially scary it is. And that's very important for later in the show. Okay, good. I'm glad I'm I'm getting I'm yeah. getting the vibes. 
And then what if something goes wrong? That was my other question. Like, well, that's what Talia is there for. Because they do get into the details of the process a bit. And it is her job to do the like before and after scan. But but what and that's if, like the process check, I feel the quality check, as it were, on the mind and personality, because they're not at first I was like terrified because like the way Talia reacts to this is like, is she going to be implanting this personality in someone? Yeah. You know, like, is she the force that does this? And then they have her do it at midnight. Like, yeah. at least let her be well rested. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, why do we need to do this at midnight? I don't mm-hmm. understand. Why? What is it even? Time is, is a construct. <laughs> what? Yeah. What is midnight on a space station? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I don't know. I was thinking, like, what if something goes wrong, and whatever makes a person a serial killer isn't just their memories and their personality but it's like a mm-hmm. biological thing like what if that comes back like yeah right <laughs> wouldn't that make for an interesting episode of this television show in the future <laughs> oh no oh. <laughs> <laughs> i'm like i'm like foreshadowing a whole thing i guess well cool. that's that's the that's why it's here though yeah yeah you know okay. i think i've got notes on it later that the whole point of this is that this is the the second time or no it's the second thing this episode sets up two things for later in the show really well Mm -hmm. and one is the idea of the implanted personality which comes back in at least three plot points i can remember offhand over the Mm, course of the show good good (laughs) possibly more and then also the alien machine that Mm -hmm. we are about to be introduced to once we start moving forward in the story in our conversation yeah, so Tully is not excited about going to do this procedure, yeah. but she's the only telepath they can get, so it looks like it's going to be her. Mm-hmm. Then we cut to Dr. Franklin, and he's gone poking around down below looking for all those patients that aren't coming to his clinic all of a sudden. Yeah, he's very lost mm-hmm. in space. <laughs> space is down below, <laughs> wondering where all of his patients are. <laughs> I got jokes because he finds his patients with June fucking Lockhart. (laughs) Yeah. The only person in all three versions of Lost in Space. Nice. I didn't know that. That took a little bit of IMDb for that fun fact and doing some research and digging through. But she was obviously the mom in the original. Uh-huh. And then she has a cameo in the 90s remake with Matt LeBlanc. Good call. And then she has a bit role in the current Netflix reboot that I haven't watched any of. Oh, that's nice. That's really nice. I recognized her from Lassie. <laughs> yeah. Lassie was one of my favorite shows when I was a kid. We had <laughs> Collies. So, yeah, I'm really original. Yeah. She's good. She's great. I wondered if they put this B plot with Lanier and Londo in this episode to just make sure that they were on the lot at the same time. It has to be right. Like there's, there's no other way. Cause they, they don't, they don't interact in the show. It's a damn were. shame. They don't. <laughs> there was not a plot reason for them to. Mm-hmm. And once again, in all of my reading, JMS was just like, look, we tried to make it work. There just was not a plot reason. 
they both begged us to make it happen and he's just like i want the episode to be its thing i don't want it to be a lost in space reunion and there's absolutely no reason for your characters to interact sorry oh <laughs> but they apparently had a lot of fun on being on set together again that's good that's good and franklin is just like what is going on here and he comes in ready to shut down whatever carnival show is taking advantage of people He's like, you've got this magic machine that just heals everything. Hey, lol. <laughs> this show has a weird obsession in this season of uh, alien machines with flimsy looking tubes that do weird stuff. <laughs> <laughs> There's a bit of it for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'm just like, Franklin, you've seen a machine remove someone's soul. You've seen technology completely assimilate someone at the DNA level. Maybe don't be an asshole about this. <laughs> right? I had I've had real infection like throwback vibes yeah. here. Yeah. After this, we go to the sentencing. It's death of personality, which is option three. Off to med lab to be brain wiped. After the sentencing, Garibaldi goes to Franklin to talk about the machine and make sure it's ready and everything. And Franklin's just like, hey, another thing for me to do. Well, and um, he asks, is this the right thing to do? Which yeah. Garibaldi says, you know, it's the law. And then Franklin says, <laughs> that's not what I asked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but Garibaldi he just wants to be Batman. He's got a real vigilante streak here. I am vengeance. I am the knight. I am Batman. Yeah. He's just like, this guy has killed a ton of other people besides who we caught him for. I know it. You know, we need to get rid of this guy. Very but does Batman uh, kill people? He Batman doesn't kill people. He's mm. he's peacemaker, to be perfectly honest. If you're watching that show on HBO Max right now. <laughs> I am. Anyways, Franklin talks about the equipment and throwing the switch, right? He's like, oh, who's gonna who's gonna throw the mm. switch on this one, you know, with their executioner's hood on? Yeah. And this is where it started to become clear that maybe this wasn't an active process for Talia, which made me feel a lot better about it because to be perfectly honest, it was like given her reaction earlier, and I'm not saying that her reaction was unwarranted given her experience previous and the experience that she has, which are both terrible and traumatic for her. Mm -hmm. But my immediate reaction was it was so much, it's going to be so much worse. Right. She's like going to be actively erasing this person's mind and implanting a personality on them or something like. Yeah, it sounds like it's really like mostly the equipment doing it. And she's there for the before and the after. It sounds very clinical. Yeah. Like like how we like to make the death penalty. Yeah. (laughs) To be perfectly honest. Yeah. And for the record, (laughs) should I ever be subject to such things? I'd take the firing squad over lethal injection. Yeah. That sounds yeah. terrifying. Firing squad, you're done. You don't got to worry about it. It also saves a lot of money. It's a lot cheaper for a couple bullets. Well, one bullet and several blanks, actually. Right. That's how they do that. So that way no one has care to carry the guilt. Mm-hmm. The, um, the plausible deniability. Yeah. Yeah. So we got to keep this thing light, though. And we go to Londo and Lanier. And they're going to one Mm -hmm. of Londo's favorite strip clubs, the Dark Star. Yep. Here you will see the heart and soul of Babylon 5, along with its spleen, kidneys, and a veritable parade of internal organs. Oh, man. Londo. Good phrasing. Oh. 
<laughs> oh, that was a bit much. Londo is forcing Lanier to pay on his monk's allowance. Yep, yep. <laughs> which honestly makes me think that the Mimbari don't have money, at least for internal use. The oh, way he yeah. describes like his meager allowance isn't, it doesn't even sound like it's a living stipend. Yeah. You know, it's like his fun money. And what fun money does the monk need on Babylon 5? Right, right. And Lando, of course, orders them some alcohol. And he hasn't been on the wiki in a while and looked at what happens to Minbari <laughs> when they consume alcohol. Lando just grabs that drink out of his hands. Lando could have done a little more research. He should have. But that's not his way. He wants to live through firsthand experience. Mm-hmm. Like those firsthand homicidal rages. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Franklin finds the doctor's daughter working in the marketplace and gets her to sit down for a conversation by buying a bit of her time. Yeah. That sounds a bit more skeezy than I meant it. Yeah. She's like selling the... things and she has a quota to make. So he buys stuff so that she makes her quota so that she doesn't have to stand there. Yeah. Yeah. They talk about how her mom lost her medical license. It is kind of skeezy though. Still, it's not <laughs> not exactly a clean interaction. It's, it's throwing your weight around like I'm an important doctor man and here's all my money. And yeah. Yeah. It is still weird. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, they talk about how her mom lost her medical license for being addicted to stims from mm. overworking. And Frank was just like, mm. oh, nothing wrong with that. Nah, that could happen to anybody. Absolutely anyone. <laughs> she made a mistake because of it and lost her license. He doesn't understand why they haven't taken the machine, if it works, as they say it does, and taken it back to Earth to be studied and shared, or sold it to relieve their monetary, like, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Because it's not an issue of not having enough money to go to Earth. Like, they've got enough money. He checked their bank accounts. How is which, this possible? <laughs> how does the ship's doctor have access to bank account information, Laura? Well, well, we've already gone over socialized medicine. It is make it to Babylon 5. <laughs> Not that far-fetched given our current system. He also seems to know a um, cop who likes to do favors. It's true. <laughs> yeah, Garibaldi. He did ask Garibaldi to check them out, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. Okay. And there we whether go. Whether or not Garibaldi should have disclosed their bank account information. Rude. Is, yeah. Which he, that's like the first thing he always goes for. Garibaldi's a real follow the money kind of guy. Yeah. I feel like he brings up people's bank accounts that they're investigating all the time. He should have been an accountant. (laughs) So Franklin doesn't really get an answer out of her about why they haven't gone back to earth. And she just keeps saying that, you know, my, my mother is not young and she's not healthy Mm -hmm. and leave us alone. We uh, cut to Lanier who is boring Londo to death talking about his linguistics education until he mentions that he studied probability, and then he immediately grabs him and goes off to the casino. Yeah, classic Londo. I love it. (laughs) Talia starts to prepare for her mind wipe, and she puts a black band over her Psycor emblem. Oh, I hadn't noticed that. So, what's the symbology there? Symbology? Uh Uh, Because the Psy and the Psycor emblem stands for the mind, uh-huh. Right. And so the black band over it, like wearing a black armband for the like for the passing of someone, the black band over the side represents the death of the mind. Oh, 
I didn't, I didn't even catch that at all. <laughs> oh, I didn't either, but I read JMS's notes about it and he made sure to point out how clever he was. Oh, look so at you. I'll bring it up for him. Doing your research. Sweet me. <laughs> <laughs> great, great. <laughs> she says she has to scan him before and after the procedure. So mm -hmm. we finally get a good grasp on her involvement in things. Did you catch his taunt that he says to her? Oh. He taunts her, saying that something might jump out of the shadows and bite her in his mind. Yeah. And I was like, oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. Shadows. Love it. Shadows. Got to work it in there. <laughs> and so she goes into the killer's mind. And this was a really cool scene. This is really well lit. Particularly, have I talked about how I watched this show at all? I don't know. I, I mean, I we've talked about it, but I don't know if it's been on. Okay, God. so I have, you know, like a TV up on my wall and all the normal stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And then I've got smart lights, like behind my TV and all around the room mm -hmm. that it runs through an HDMI box to match the colors on the screen based off where the lights are in the room. Nice, yeah. And so when they do something like this, where it's like all red, my whole room turned blood red around me as I was watching this scene. Ooh, scary. Yeah, it. it's it's really good for horror movies and stuff like that. Was it good for Chud? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, nothing was good for Chud. I just love to bring that up. I know. Um. So yeah, no, there's just this this deep red everywhere, all over. Um. And this dude is just a fucking piece of work. We find out he's killed a ton of people of mm -hmm. various races. All to grow the choir of voices in his mind loud enough to sing him into heaven when he dies. Fucking yikes. Yeah. And then we get murder threat to commercial. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Everything's okay. We come back from commercial and Franklin gets handed some documentation about Dr. Rosen's patients. And he's just like, that can't be right. And just runs off. Yeah, he thought that this was going to prove him right and that her machine is doing nothing and these people are getting worse. And surprise, what it said. Yeah, we go to Londo and Lanier playing poker and Lanier is running the table. Yeah, giant pile of chips. Fun, fun. He plays poker like I do. Not that I do it well, but, you know, like, oh, hey, look at this hand. <laughs> Uh, Franklin makes his way to Dr. Rosen and lets her know that her machine is working. And she's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> it's healing, but at a heavy cost, a part of your life to heal theirs. She <laughs> knows it was used as a means of corporal punishment on an alien world. A criminal's life energy would be used to heal those with terminal illnesses at the cost of their own life. She then she reveals she has Lake Syndrome a incurable terminal illness that is extremely painful. Yep. I've got a question for you. Yeah. And this goes back to a question you asked me in the infection episode. Okay. Whose technology do you think this is? Is this Vorlon technology? Is this shadow technology? Is it first one technology? This sounds like some first one bullshit. Mm -hmm. I don't really see the Vorlons or the Shadows needing a death penalty. Their societies seem like they're kind of past 
anything besides harmonious species But could they be meddling action. with somebody else, you know? They could be meddling with someone else. I hadn't really thought too much about it, to be perfectly yeah. honest. I thought you were going to pose this one to me, so I'm so proud of myself. <laughs> nope, nope, not my notes. I would think it's either some first ones or just some miscellaneous alien race. Honestly, it sounds very Dilgar to me. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Um, if it is not a first ones and it tracks with what we know about them and death walker sorry episode titles uh <laughs> involvement in medicine and it kind of tracks with the sacrificing one to extend another it's very in line with the fountain of youth technology that uh the death walker develops so i just kind of assumed that it was dilgar i yeah. think in okay. the back of my mind but we have no idea right I, I I guess the thing that keeps me from thinking that it's Dilgar is because they seem to be recent enough that we know still quite a bit about them, even though we weren't sure who she was when she showed up. And, mm-hmm. you know, the Dilgar War was something that Sinclair's father fought in or yeah. his grandfather. His father, I think, fought in the Dilgar War because his father fought with Franklin's dad. Okay. But the point uh, is, that's recent enough history that it doesn't seem like this would be lost. And that, you know, that she's such that they, they can't read it. To me, if if this was that recent, like there would still be, we could read some of the Dilgar language probably and know more about it. Yeah, there's, yeah, it's a little mysterious. Yeah, I was thinking reason. first one or like the Shadows or Vorlons were like, mm-hmm. you know, peppering something around somewhere. Kind of like we were thinking an infection, so. Well, I would not be surprised, and I don't think this is anywhere in the series, so because I don't think we get any more of the Dilgar, really, to find that the shadows were supporting the Dilgar. Mm. Good point. It'd, it'd be a very them kind of thing with their whole ethos and belief system and everything that we come to learn about. It would make a lot of sense for them to be very pro-Dilgar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fun, fun. Anyways, Franklin is concerned with her condition, wants to help her with the discovery, help learn how to use the machine without harming the users on the other side, if at all possible. And she lays down some terms. She's going to continue using the machine as long as she can continue to do so. She's going to continue her research for as long as she can. And at the moment she can't, she's going to hand Franklin the machine and all of her notes. The doctor wants to check up on her every week to monitor her health and make sure that Mm -hmm. she's not doing too much or hurting herself any more than she absolutely needs to to help others. She agrees to these as well. And then also agrees to give Franklin say as to when she's done. Yeah. So they come to an agreement. Mm -hmm. And then Garibaldi, we cut to him and he finds Talia sitting in the gardens. They're, Mm -hmm. I guess they're waiting for, for the time. And she's still shaken up by what she saw inside Mueller's mind you know she yeah all confirms, the violence yeah she confirms to Garibaldi that he is indeed a serial killer as you know Garibaldi thought that he had killed people before and she says that she has scanned alien minds with more humanity than his after this we cut back to cards and Londo is cheating with some tentacle thing oh. and we find out what this is at the end of the episode <laughs> Do we, let's let's get there let's yeah. get to the end of the episode before we talk about this and the mm-hmm. reveal of what this is i will say that i was cringing so hard and my husband did not understand why yeah <laughs> yeah because i re- i remembered 
And so I'm just like, oh, oh God. And I've got a ton of notes from JMS about this thing. Oh, boy. So we'll get to it. But it might be better to save that more lighthearted conversation yeah. for the end of the uh, podcast. Yeah, let's get were. through the heavy stuff here. Garibaldi escorts Mueller for his mind wipe, who successfully escapes to commercial. Back to Lando and Lanier. And Lando's tentacle thing is clearly attached to him somehow. Yeah. It is uh, sensitive to the ice water that has sit on it. And he's super uncomfortable. Yeah. He's like, oh, it's so cold. It's freaking freezing in here, Mr. Bigglesworth. So cold in here. What happened? And you can tell he's straining a little bit. Yeah. To try to he's yank definitely this thing selling out. the hell out of it. Yeah. Um, and he gets caught cheating. And then Lanier kicks a whole bunch of ass and he gets Lando out of there. Well, apparently Lanier knows Kung Fu because he's got those spin kicks. <laughs> yeah. The uh, casino collectively gangs up on them for cheating before they can make a hasty exit. Mm-hmm. Franklin is then seen treating the guard who was injured in the escape when he realizes the murderer might be heading to down below and goes down there to the rescue and arrives to find his fears confirmed. The murderer is forcing Dr. Rosen to heal him from the gunshot wound he suffered during his escape. Mm -hmm. He reveals his plan is to keep her daughter and Dr. Franklin as hostages. She flips the switch on the machine and uses it for its intended purpose, killing him, but simultaneously healing her of her terminal disease. And she narrates dramatically the pain he's going through the whole time. Yep. And we see him die from this. And then we cut to the court and the judge clears her name under self-defense, but remains custody of the alien healing machine to Dr. Franklin. Dr. Rosen has someone who heals people right. is really beat up about killing someone. The yeah. necessary thing is not always the right thing. Yeah. Yeah. She makes that remark. And not only did she take a life. But she used that life to extend her own. So there's mm -hmm. a special kind of like guilt there. Every day mm -hmm. that she lives now is at the price of someone else. Yeah. Despite knowing what that person would have done. Right. We cut to Ivanova filling Garibaldi in on the B plot, mm -hmm. who's just outraged at having to have this conversation. <laughs> Sinclair is interrogating Londo and Lanier. Londo agrees to tell him what happens when the room stops spinning. Yeah. <laughs> Sinclair reminds him that's how human artificial gravity works. Yeah. Because <laughs> the is spinning. And Londo's just like, I see my problem. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, you know, Sinclair's giving them his best. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Dad face. And I love mm -hmm. it. <laughs> Lanier owns the blame completely. And mm -hmm. Londo just lets him. They'll get off on diplomatic immunity because it was caused by a cultural misunderstanding, but they'll have to pay for the damages to the club. And let me just say, it better be Londo. <laughs> right? It better be Londo writing that check. You know, he's got a hefty allowance <laughs> compared to Lanier's. Right. And Londo asks Lanier why he would possibly cover for them. And Lanier says it was out of honor, you know? And it calls back to the whole Mimbari thing about protecting you know and like when it's okay to lie as an Mimbari and when it isn't mm -hmm. that we got forever ago um Delenn will understand and not question him about it and Lanier is like but what were what were you cheated with though yeah like, what, was, what was that thing what was that thing and Lando pulls out the statue of the Centauri 
fertility goddess god got god it's, it's it was both well yeah okay uh, it should be gender neutral right if it's it both. should be gender neutral so god i'm assuming i've never i'll worry he does about call her goddess of passion he really does yeah <laughs> and we find out that one that tentacle was his genitalia that's a penis yep it's his penis one one of, of his, his one of his many one of, one of his six penises <laughs> so normally i find a few random notes from jms like you know i'm not like digging through a ton of stuff i've got this one website that like collects a lot of the usenet posts that i reference pretty often and that's the only place i'm really going to besides the babylon 5 wiki for research most of the time mm-hmm. and so on this one there was like three times as many notes as any other episode besides the one with the uh, religious ceremony okay okay and it was almost all questions about centauri dick of course it was there's a whole bunch welcome to uh, the internet jafer <laughs> ranging on comments from the lost earth tribe and how that was clearly bullshit to Centauri women's corresponding organs. Mm, um, for the record, they're not dicks. They're called tensticulites. Oh, that's good. Um, good, good, good. They are instead <laughs> of human genitalia, not an addition to. Mm, okay, good um, to know. There are six of them on males, and females have six slots on their back near the base of their spine. <laughs> the tentacles were created by two women in the prop department who had quote all caps far too much fun worried about the shape size how veiny they should be oh god and how how they should move oh jeebus <laughs> yeah so that's more than you ever needed to know about centauri dick you're welcome internet <laughs> good 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 I'll pause for any questions, comments, concerns you have before I close my TED talk. Maybe you should just go ahead and throw up our email address now. Whoareyoub5 at gmail.com. I will not be answering any questions about Centauri penises. Thank you. <laughs> if, if we get a few in, I might send you a link to the Usenet article I found or the collection of Usenet notes that will probably answer your questions yeah. for you. Yeah, yeah. If I remember, I'll have to find it again. <laughs> a couple of cups in. Anyways. Next, this concludes the comedic relief plot. And yep. we cut to Dr. Rosen as she's turning over the healing machine to Dr. Franklin. And mm-hmm. she's getting ready to leave. She tells him that she feels like she has to do something important with this time that she's been given. Well, that she took from another person. Mm-hmm. and she wants to see if she can find any more evidence about where this machine came from. And she tells her daughter, Janice, that she needs to make sure that Franklin doesn't wake up from his dreams before she gets back. She asks mm-hmm. Dr. Franklin to keep an eye on her daughter, and her daughter asks Dr. Franklin if she can still get that dinner, and we're setting up a whole bunch of stuff and we'll never see this daughter again. Nope. There's a whole bunch of stuff throughout the episode that's all like, ooh, possible love interest ooh. for Dr. Franklin. And just it's dropped entirely. Sorry, listener. 
if you're watching through the first time and you're going week by week with us, that's the rub. If you were hoping to see her again, you won't. (laughs) So sorry. Yep. So we, I talked about it a little bit earlier. This episode leaves very important things on the table for later episodes. Two very Mm -hmm. important things. Implanting a personality is an achievable technology and the alien healing machine. Mm -hmm. These are two chess pieces that remain on the board for a very long time in this show. The alien healing machine will come back when you least expect it. And it's Mm going to punch you in the fucking gut. So yeah. just sorry in advance. Yeah. Um, Because I'm still upset about it. Me too. 20 years later. <laughs> and implanting a personality is something that humanity has achieved. Comes back several times as well in various stages uh, and various things in the plot. Did you just remember one of them? I did. Well, don't say it, because I'm guessing by your reaction, it's super spoiler town. Yeah, it is super spoiler town, but I had to get the gasp in there so people didn't go, how has she watched a show before and not remembered that? I I do now, okay? (laughs) (laughs) All right, so that's fun. Well, how do you feel about this episode on your on our rating scale that my my decimals have been panned? So I'll try to avoid. No, no, the decimals are allowed. I don't care how many memes we get. I, I actually, I really enjoyed the memes. <laughs> I really enjoyed the memes. I was laughing heartily at the memes. They were very good. I did. I um, was like, "Oh, this person felt strongly enough about this to make memes." <laughs> yep. Which means we have to continue doing it. Which means every episode going forward will have a decimal. <laughs> yeah. You tell Wait me how you point six seven Babylon stations. It's about to get. Um, this is a important episode for the story. It mm-hmm. is a difficult episode to watch at times for two very different reasons, depending <laughs> on how comfortable you are with Centauri genitalia being tentacles, which <laughs> I definitely don't want to know about, listener, in that email you might send me. <laughs> you Keep can leave one. your personal Keep feelings about the tentacles right the fuck out. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> anyways it's it's hard for me to say uh because the the juxtaposition of this episode i feel hurts it doesn't help it mm-hmm. i feel like this could have been a better episode by focusing on either the a plot or the b plot both of which were great yeah and either pairing them with other episodes to not have this dramatic shift in tone constantly Mm -hmm. or to fill them out to their own episodes yeah i i feel similarly like i i i felt a little disappointed almost by june lockhart's performance in this episode not necessarily her performance but maybe how the episode treated her yeah because what what was happening with her was a very serious thing and we kept intercutting it with very not serious stuff (laughs) yeah uh, well, and we just get told she's in a ton of pain, but she never does anything to show us that at right. any point. Right. We don't we don't see it. And, you know, what's happening also to Talia and the the whole trial is very serious, too. Mm-hmm. And we keep lightening it up. And, and I don't know. It's hard because the humor of Babylon 5 is one of the things that I like a lot about Babylon 5. 
But for me in this episode, it was not as mm -hmm. effective. Yeah. So how does that translate into numbers, my friend? Well, it's difficult to say. I, yeah. I really like both these plots, and I really wish they were in separate episodes. Uh -huh. But I still really like both these plots. So I'm going to give it a uh, Babylon 3 out of 5. It exploded during construction and wasn't <laughs> fully formed. <laughs> I actually had, I had thought about it beforehand, and I thought Babylon 3 on this one, too. Like, uh, Out of 3.1? No. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> no, I was, I was really solidly in 3 territory. I was like, yeah, yeah this, is, this is a solid 3. I feel like it's not their best but it's not bad yeah you know it, it's no it's cute. very good mm -hmm. it's very good most of the episode um and i think if i were to watch this as two shorter episodes cut together mm -hmm. i would probably rate them both a four mm -hmm. yeah but just it's just jarring to me and now think about it we really had we had three plots right we had we had murder well, we had yeah we had the murder the uh alien healing machine which converge into into you one know, it was an a b and c and the a and b were actually just one plot the whole time yeah yeah and to me like which is the listener when you see three storylines in a babylon five episode two of them are coming together it's just it's <laughs> two just right or more. <laughs> two or more are coming together it's jms's writing style mm -hmm. it is a thorough line throughout the series yeah. so and I think that's one of the things I do like about the show is having multiple things going on because that's what a space station is, right? We have yeah. all kinds of stuff going on at once. It's not a, always an A story. But yeah, they all seemed a little bit shortened by being in one episode together. Yeah. Yeah, I think the A and B could have been one episode. Like the alien healing machine and the murder could have been one episode and made a very compelling episode without the linear Londo plot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you could have stuck that one somewhere else or blown it up a little bit more. In but other ways. you wanted you wanted uh, June Lockhart and Bill Mummy on the set together. Yeah, that's and that's fun. cute. Yeah, and probably didn't hurt ratings. To be perfectly honest, <laughs> right. So. <laughs> your first season you got to get renewed right well what do we have coming up next week we have season one episode 15 grail a spiritual crusader on an intergalactic quest for the holy grail visits babylon 5 and is befriended by a petty thief together they help sinclair and garibaldi combat a mind-eating creature that terrorizes the inhabitants yeah of the station is implied but missing from the hbo max description um, <laughs> the intern wasn't working super hard because you can tell no. that from the description and the repeated thumbnails <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah at first i was like oh is this that episode and then i realized it's not that episode it's no not, not i actually i, I so i was just uh talking to uh to ben about it because it's <laughs> like oh you watched grail it's all like yeah and i'm all like that's not this other episode right and he's just like no it's like it's kind of it's like nope nope you'd know if i was right like <laughs> you haven't gotten there yet <laughs> so i won't spoil it but yeah there's a jms lakes is our theory and legend yeah that'll be fun 
Well, thank you to Jeremy Siegel for providing our lovely theme music. Always appreciate it. Yep. Find him at jeremysiegel42 at bandcamp.com. And thank you to Angry Duck Time Machine for our portraits that are our artwork for the podcast. And feel free to email us with anything. Who are you? B5 at gmail.com. And when I say anything, I mean anything but Satori tentacle porn. <laughs> Don't want it. No thanks. <laughs> Good night, Internet. See you next time.